Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com podcast. All right, let's get started. Today, I'm speaking to Christina Monti, and we talk about her journey from the world of finance into the world of developer relations, and in particular, we take a deep dive on the subject of empathy and how it is essential to this job. All right, let's talk to Christina. Christina, welcome. It is great to have you on the Fireside with Vox Gig podcast talking about developer relations and developer relations at one of the first companies that I ever integrated with, PayPal. Uh, <laughs> PayPal has been around for so long, I suppose it's hard to say developer relations is this way at PayPal. Uh, I don't know, let's start with how it is today and maybe we'll talk a little about the history of how you guys got here. Um, I mean, I always found PayPal to be very focused on user friendliness, even back in the day, right? Just plunk the script in and off you go. Um, but I'm kind of interested where you guys have ended up. Uh, I know you do open source, all that sort of stuff, but what is developer relations and you're a developer advocate, right? What does it look like at PayPal today? Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate this conversation. I will say that developer relations today at PayPal is going to be a lot of the, what my marketing friend would call the top of the funnel. Um, it's gonna try to, in my mind, my value, my core value is education. I am trying to help educate developers into understanding the technical solutions and why they would use them. Um, I would love to put a call out that it could be, it, it was, it was as simple as copying and pasting, but let's talk about reality. Technology has changed. The ways that yeah. we are, are creating technical solutions have changed and you've got to be in front of rather than behind. And so it may not be as simple as a copy paste, but it is still the most secure way to integrate. Um, and that's where DevRel comes in. We're trying to educate developers on this new way of integrating, which is, uh, you know, the JavaScript SDK and and using a, a backend database to make sure that things are always secure. Um, and it's it's a lot of interacting with developers. We want to be out there with the developers, understanding the pain points, the challenges that they're facing. Uh, so we're doing a lot of meetups, a lot of um, conferences right now. We are doing uh, video tutorials um, through the research that I've gotten. It love the research that we've had. Um, we've been able to understand that, you know, exactly what we all are seeing. The world is changing and how people are learning is changing. They don't necessarily just want to see a doc. Uh, they want to also see a video, maybe a, a short snippet of something. Uh, they want to be able to relate to the content and be able to consume the content in their way, not necessarily in the way that we are going to dictate that they're yeah, going to I, have it. I got to absolutely. I got to say, I logged on to developer.paypal.com. Right, I was just okay. I better better check to see see what see what see what the state is right because I've seen it over the years. Okay, mm -hmm. uh, and it's awesome today. It's it's looking really cool. And the very first thing I saw in the tabs at the top was video library. I was like, ah, yep. okay. So few people have that. And it's such an important way of learning. It uh, is. So yeah, well done. Wow. 
And more so, you know, the video library is definitely an, a great resource, but what we really want to focus on is, is having relatable content. So it's not a video that's created by like a marketing team that is, you know, making it all snazzy with the screens. It is a developer who is teaching you how to develop a PayPal solution. Uh, it's a real person. Love the man. He's my best friend ever, <laughs> but it's, it's authentic. And, and that's the, that's the value we're trying to provide is authentic interactions and authentic education so that people are relating to that information. So have you guys defined maybe, I don't know, a set of values that define your developer relations that kind of define your approach? Um, we have probably our top down, um, KPIs, goals, values. Yeah. Um, I'll say speaking for myself and, and the values that I bring, uh, empathy is, is going to be number one. And that is more or less how I provide the feedback into the product and engineering teams is, is through the empathy of developers, making sure we understand the challenges that they're facing and not necessarily listening to reply, just listening to understand and make a change so that nobody else has to go through that frustration. Um, and so that, that results in changes to the product or changes to the SDKs or even the developer experience, making sure that we ask ourselves, if you're doing this, does it make sense? If you not, not, I don't take the developer out of the equation. What we're building doesn't make sense. Would you use it if you built it? If someone yeah. built it for you? <laughs> well, that's a, that, that's a really good point, right? Because a lot of stuff is built that mm -hmm. the people building it would never use it themselves, right? I've asked that question <laughs> to engineers. Would you do this? And it's so funny because it's it seems like such a basic question. But oftentimes when you ask that question, the answer is usually no. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No. Okay, well, why are you building it then? What are you doing? If it's you're harder. Doing... You see, to, to make something user-friendly or at least user-sensible, it's harder, right? It's, just, it's easier just to expose the insights and go, there you go. I don't know. Yeah. Work it out yourself, right? Yeah. Um, which you see in so many uh, payment APIs. I, I've integrated with a lot of them over the years. Right? And a lot of, I remember one in particular, it was like, oh, uh, you hash up your own signatures there. We're not going to provide you with it. You know, a utility <laughs> method to do that. You go off and research cryptography yourself. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, so yeah, for real, for real. Uh, but I, I'm interested in how uh, developer relations is structured at PayPal these days, right? So is it a set of teams? Who do you report to? How did, what's the basic kind of setup? Yeah, we started um, probably, we're on the three years in this journey of developer relations at PayPal. And I say this time because we have often tried, just like every other organization, multiple times to do this effort. Um, we are in the product organization, so we sit underneath the developer experience team in product. And we have our engineering partners that we work very closely with that are an amazing resource that help us with building the developer experience. And then we enable our product and engineering teams that are building the products for PayPal uh, to have the tools necessary to do things that are dev relations specific, right? So um, giving them access to how to, you know, be, 
be presentable at a conference or write a blog post or create a video that is going to supplement the documentation. Um, making sure that we have our, our DevRel team somewhat included in the documentation process so that we are always having a representation of a developer at the table to ask those questions that may not be asked because if you're, you know, it, it, it if you're not building with the people that you're trying to build for, then what are you building for? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other, the other thing that uh, I remember from working with PayPal a couple of years back, I was at a, it wasn't a, it wasn't a conference. I think it was like one of those half day events in San Jose sponsored by you guys where pretty sure the Kraken open source framework was sort of formally announced. Uh, and I think you guys, I think, I think somebody had managed to persuade Douglas Crockford, the, you know, the, sort of the writer of uh, JavaScript, the good parts, right? <laughs> the, the inventor of JSON along yeah. to give a talk. Uh, I think I was speaking at it and having somebody like Douglas Crockford sitting in the front row when you're, when you're doing your, uh, you know, I think it was an okay talk that I gave, but it was pretty intimidating. But I remember, um, yeah, there was a lot of excitement around that time of different open source frameworks. Uh, so how is Kraken? Is it still going? Is there still a lot of commitment to open source at PayPal? Yeah, no, I'm. we still have Kraken. We just released also the Juno database um, somewhat earlier this year, which was another one that went wild in the public. Um, we are definitely still committed to open source and we still love our open source community. I will say that, you know, just like other things, we have work to do just like any other company to make sure that that experience is, is a hundred percent. And I can't really ever say a hundred, nothing's ever a hundred 99.99. If you want me to get on my uptimes, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, Yes, we want to make sure that the experience is good. Uh, there's definitely a lot of investment into making sure that that is part of the developer experience and encouraging our, our community to come and contribute, come in, you know, I, I, for me, again, it goes back to em empathy. You build something using a PayPal API or using something from your, your, your own creative mindset. I want to, I want to showcase stuff like that. Yeah. I want to showcase the, the developers that are out there doing things that are so innovative. I love developers because of the innovation and the creative solutions that they come up with. It's, it's fascinating to me. And so I can definitely see in a future state an ability to utilize the platform, PayPal's open source, to showcase other developers' work. And is there much sort of formal, I suppose, coordination between the open source projects and the developer relations activities? Um, do, you, do you guys kind of feed off each other or is, are they separate? And then suddenly you have find out about this new database. Or how, how does it work? Luckily, there is a lot of operational processes that have already been in place. And um, we typically have a DevRel advocate plugged into the open source okay. committee. And the reason more or less, is to ensure that the experience doesn't go south. <laughs> um, making sure that we have governance around the, the repos. I, in my mind, it's very easy for something to go unmanaged, especially in a large organization where you have 
you know, I mean, billions of transactions and JIRA tickets and, and asks coming in from left, right, center. Uh, it's very, it's very change and people change. Yeah. change yeah, all the time. Right. Um, so we, we do try to uh, have someone that is public facing included in the operational process for open source, just to make sure that there is that accountability and governance that continues to be held uh, for the repos. Another thing uh, we were talking a little bit before we started recording, you were talking about uh, people having more of a listening disposition now, right? Where you, you, you actually just set up opportunities just to listen to developers. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we call them the developer listening sessions and um, it's, it's a fun opportunity for me because I get to have a platform for developers that can come in and provide their unwavering perspective. They don't, you, you do not have to say sorry for anything that you have as an opinion to me. And I will always allow you to, you know, complain. I, actually, let's rephrase that. It's voicing opportunity. <laughs> That's what we say. <laughs> voicing good, opportunity. Good. Okay. Um, I, like I, I, I provide that just because, you know, if you're not listening to the customers, then again, what are you building for? I, I If someone says that this doesn't work and we go move on, but it doesn't work. So we have to listen to the developers. We have to listen to those that are using our docs, our dashboards, our credentials, our everything. We have to understand the challenges. And the only way we're going to be able to do that is by listening. There is another challenge uh, that PayPal has which is uh, you're not selling to developers as such, right? You're right. you're selling to businesses or consumers. So developers enable things to happen, but they're not a primary customer as such. Uh, and a lot of companies find it difficult to navigate that positioning of developers within their ecosystem. Is that recognized internally? How do you guys manage that? It's recognized by me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and you're advocating for developers, which is great. Right. Um, it's recognized by me. It is one of the things that I will say it, as a developer advocate in a company that is not developer first, it is very challenging because you oftentimes are saying the same things over and over again in different ways because you're trying to help others understand why it matters. And typically I have to make it in their world, I, I have to tell them, okay, well, if you have a developer who takes seven days to get an integration up and running, that means that you are not going to get your TPV. You're not going to do this. You're, I have to translate it to the business and what is the business impact? Um, there is an interesting methodology though because you know there's a lot of developers that are doing things on their own right we're calling them the freelancers the uh, mm. contract workers they're the ones that are working for the agencies that are just getting um freelance work and when we talk about the difference between them and someone who's a business decision maker so take like a larger corporation of course, the developer is not going to be the one who is making the decision of the platform. 
in a large corporation. But that's actually not the case for a freelancer. A freelancer is going to advocate and, yes. and talk about and say, right. I want this one because this, that, the other, it makes more sense. It's going to make, I'm going to be done in two days versus three days. Yeah. And our offerings are competitive. They're, they are competitive against others. That's, that's the way the world works, right? <laughs> well, that is such an important thing that I think, uh, I guess the non-technical non aspects of businesses don't recognize sometimes the, the, the developer the developer enabled sales so i mean let's just let's just unpack the freelancer experience for a minute so mm -hmm. and i because i have been one in the past um and i'm trying to pick between paypal and oh i don't know uh there's another i forget their name now another payment provider stripe something or yeah those guys uh but from my perspective as a developer uh and it always comes down to economics Right. If I have had a good experience with one or the other, I'm predisposed towards going with that one. And then if I've done two or three integrations, I've now invested intellectual effort and time into learning the API. So if a client asks me, a startup client asks, or a small business asks me to integrate payments, and I know PayPal's API, I don't really know Stripes, well, I'm just going to say PayPal because I know I can get that job done. Yep. Super quick. And I know it works and I know what to do. I know where to go for answers. I don't have to learn stuff. Now, my yep. client might say to me, oh, but you know, I think I heard Stripe is good. But guess what? I can still turn around and go, well, do you want it in one day or do you want it in three? Right. Yeah. And so I think it, I think a lot of people underestimate the power the influencer power that developers have and we can exercise it in all sorts of subtle ways like you work with you work with a lot of developers you know that we could be uh difficult and <laughs> manipulative and if we like a particular tech we kind of want people to use it um yeah. so i mean I, th I think that yeah it's it feels like it's a little bit of a um i don't know marketing uh secret weapon if you understand that dynamic uh, I noticed on your personal site, you had uh, recommended a couple of books, right? Um, you know, things like the, um, oh, what's the one? Uh, yeah, Developer Marketing Does Not Exist, right? Good book. A particular favorite, book. <laughs> a particular favorite of mine, right? Or there's another one, which is just Developer Relations or uh, Ask Your Developer. Um, I mean, I think it's interesting that you picked those ones because there's kind of a common theme in there that's... Uh, you can't sell to developers, of course, but if you get them on side, then the whole process of making the sale just goes a lot more smoothly. It does. No, I, I, you can't sell developers. Don't you can, here's the thing. You can sell developers by giving them an easy experience by not assuming their knowledge is 30 plus years with the computer science background. Um, you have to be considerate of all situations in my mind and the experience is what sells them. Not the, not the pretty shiny documentation, not the fun little gif of something. Like it is, if it's easy, you've made my job easy and I don't have to do 10 times more work. So one of the things is like, 
with PayPal, the thing that I love in getting PayPal payments, like our standard integration, it's a single solution and you get credit cards, you get Apple pay, you get Venmo, you get any type of payment in one integration. So that's one time that I, as a developer have to code, not more than once. It's one time. Like I couldn't imagine if I got a payment processor that only gave me credit cards, but then I also wanted to do PayPal, but then I also wanted to do this. And then I also wanted to do that. Like that's a lot of coding. I don't know if I'd want to do that. I want to do it once. Yeah. And trying to explain that to a client is, you know, good luck. Uh, yeah, and I think there's another dynamic that uh, th- this kind of again goes back to this developer perspective, which is the clients of freelancers and the clients of of small consultancies. They're not technical; they don't want to know, right? It's like, oh, um, well, I integrated against version one of the API, and now they were version two, and there was like a mismatch in the JSON schema, and now it's down for a half a day. I'm sorry, if you're explaining, you're losing. So I need to be able to rely on third-party APIs that will never screw me like that. And I, mm-hmm. I mean, that's happened to me so many times, right? Where something suddenly changes, the website is down, but who gets the call at 4 a.m.? Yep. Right? You do. <laughs> I do. You do. Yeah. <laughs> right? Not the API vendor. Um, right? And and it's my fault. It doesn't matter, right? Yeah. So as a developer, I'm always looking for uh, signals that, a company cares about developers, right? So that, that's why I kind of called out the portal, which I hadn't looked at in a while, and the video library. I'm kind of, okay, you know what? There's a little bit of de- developer love happening here, right? Which is yeah. which is nice to see. It's good to see. Uh, took you, yeah, it took you a while. Took you a while. <laughs> it did. It did. I, it took us a while. Luckily, we are getting there, and we have so much more ability to improve and make lives easier. The one thing that I also wanted to call out in that relationship of a developer with their customer is the developer needs to trust that those third-party APIs are going to give them the information that they need to be supportive of that customer. Mm. What I mean is I've seen plenty of times when a developer will use our documentation or use a documentation and they coded it a certain way. When it gets to not working, well, I did it the way they told me, now you need to go figure it out. Like, no, that's not, we we should be empowering developers like the car business, right? You, you buy a Ford. I took my Ford in to get my oil changed. That guy who did my oil change knew everything about that. I didn't, I, he didn't come to me and say, go back to Ford and ask them, how to turn off your check engine light. Like he didn't right. do that. He just right. knew he, he knew, right? He's empowered and developers should be empowered to support the solutions that they're making and not feel like you said, getting screwed because I didn't get the right information and that's not what, what I should be doing. Like then you lose the trust. They need to trust your products. They need to trust your experience, your documentation. You need to make it easy and seamless so that they can build their business because that's what they're in the business for. They, they're trying to be a freelancer. They want to make it, they want to make their own business and I, we should empower them to do so. Yeah. Yeah. It's great to hear. I, I, so I have to ask, how did you manage to develop so much empathy for <laughs> developers who are so prickly, right? I, I suppose the, the real question is, um, you know, you, 
how did you end up doing this job? Because it is, it's something that quite a few people aspire to. Um, but it's not like there's a, a whole load of open positions, especially not this year. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people that I've spoken to, even on this podcast, ended up doing this work in all sorts of weird and wonderful ways that they had these all these crazy journeys. So what's your journey, Christina? How did you end up as a developer advocate? So I'm a non-conventional dev advocate that has had, um, it's funny, I, I kind of landed in this position. It was three years ago when my leader was like, you know, you do this naturally. This is what you do on a day-to-day -day basis. Let's put you in that role. Um, which was great. I, I do, I do this naturally and I'm empathetic to anyone. I'm empathetic to a merchant or a consumer or anyone that is hmm. trying to do something with technology that is being built for them, which is, <laughs> if it doesn't work, then again, what yeah. are you doing it for? Exactly. I don't understand. Um, but I started in, I've always been in banks, so I've been at the biggest banks uh, in the US and I worked as a user acceptance tester. So I took that time and was doing the testing for the product that the engineering team was building for our internal employees. I did a stint at writing my test cases for a major bank's payments platforms and then I went over to PayPal and I haven't left since. So seven years later, I've been at or around developer experience. Um, I actually took, <laughs> so this, this may call me out a little, but there was at least a year or two where I was the sole person responsible for looking at the feedback on our developer documentation. And I will tell you, you asked me the question, how did I become so empathetic? It's because I was forced to listen. It was yeah. because I was forced to find what the developers were saying as true and prove what they were saying was true. So if you can't find the information to a certain API error code and you can't figure out how to fix it, well, that's our problem, not theirs. Like we should not be providing an API error code back from the API if we're not gonna document it. That's crazy, like, hello. Um, so I, I just, I, I had to listen. And I will say that time in my life changed how I listen. I don't listen to reply, I listen to understand um, and prove what developers are saying was right. Um, that was me looking at a spreadsheet. I had a Google spreadsheet at that time and it was one line after another every day. I just read through the feedback. Um, you did the time, I, you did the time. I did the time. I, I did the work. <laughs> I had to listen. I still do the time. I, I just do the time in different ways. Like, uh, for example, we use common room, love understanding insights as a whole, um, Obviously, you know, we're not a company that is small, so sure. we can't necessarily do one off here, there, that, the other. Um, we would never be able to get through the pile. Um, so Common Room gives me that capability of what I did before, which was one line at a time in a collaborative, like it gives me everything in themes and it tells me the things that are wrong, generally speaking so that I can provide that to the dev 
experience team to the product and engineering teams and say, look, you know, people are having problems in this area. Let's focus on that one and try to make that better. Um, so there's, so. There's, there's two follow-up questions that I have. One is, um, like a lot of people, it seems like you just started doing developer relations before it was your job. And in a way, that's kind of the route in, isn't it? <laughs> just it just is. do it. Yeah, just do it. Right, just do it. Yeah. Um, like there's nobody stopping. You don't need to ask permission, right? In whatever form, right? In, in your case, it was more on the empathetic helping people side. For other people, it might be go talk at meetups, um, do a bit of open source, whatever, right? Uh, you don't need to wait. You don't. You don't need to ask permission. It's kind of a weird it is. activity that way, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, the other one is you mentioned common room, but uh, do you think do you think that finally uh, developer relations is is beginning to get some proper tooling? Do you use other things uh, inside PayPal? Do you have other other kind of recommendations for tools that have worked really well for the developer relations teams and activities? There's a lot of different things that I will say, yes, absolutely. So um, we have now a champion group where we are actively recruiting for champions to go out there and do things on behalf um, whether it's, you know, promoting your own experience and whatnot, it's the, it's the people that are absolutely killing it when it comes to our developer experience. And they're very close to our products. Um, there is tools that will now help you to manage that process. Whereas before you probably had to have an Excel, you would have to go look yeah. at their profiles. You'd have to go <laughs> see what they're posting and doing all the things. Now there's a tool. Um, I definitely think that there's a lot of new tools for DevRel to be successful. What I will still say is that these tools that are out there still need an advocate, a group of people, DevRel, to tie that back to the value. What mm -hmm. is the value of this? How are we going to continue to create value? I personally, you asked my opinion, this is not the opinion of PayPal. The value for me is if someone's excited and happy about the experience, that doesn't bring, that doesn't bring dollar. You know what I mean? It's not tied back to like- well, Indirectly, revenue. indirectly yeah. it will, indirectly. Yeah. Yes, but it's not, it's indirectly, but not respected as it is directly. You know what I mean? It's yeah. like, I'm glad they're happy, but did they give me money? Well, yeah, so <laughs> it's, it, but I, that's just me, right? Yeah. I understand the value long-term. I understand that developers rely on their community first and not your product that you're building for them. If they have a developer in their network that has created or used a platform and said, this was an amazing experience, you should try it, they're going to try it. They're not going to use your docs. They're going to say they're community first. So I understand the value. Um, I think that they're the tools while they're built. Sure. You can automate a lot of it, but you still have to get the DevRel advocates, the DevRel team to tie it back to value. Yeah. And, the, and, and ultimately you can't, yeah, you can't tool your way to a healthy community, right? That, that, that's, you, it's literally boots on the ground, right? You've got to actually yeah. run the meetups and do the events and support the people who are active members. Mm -hmm. uh, Christina, this has been uh, really cool, really wonderful. Thank you so much for coming on. And um, I'm really heartened to see a, uh, 
kind of an established company that's gone through so many different phases of developer interaction um really kind of embracing an empathetic approach to developer relations it's 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 pretty inspiring um onward and upward absolutely sure. that's all we can go from here right is that uh, that's all we go and i'm going to continue to advocate for empathy and the developers as long as i can anywhere i can even if i wasn't at paypal i would still i would still advocate for them just because i understand how difficult it is to be a developer and the cognitive overload of just a, just the brain like it's just it's a lot so if if i someone who has never done a technical solution can be that person for the developers I absolutely will absolutely will it's great to know that people like you exist. I have to say, <laughs> I mean, I've been coding for a long time, and uh, yeah, uh, it's not the norm, unfortunately. But uh, things can change. Make it the norm. Change. We're gonna make it. We're that, that's what the podcast is for, exactly. right? Make exactly. Exactly. We're gonna make it happen. <laughs> All right, yeah. Christina. Thank you so much. Take care. Take care. Absolutely. Thank <laughs> Wonderful. you. Wonderful. Bye bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.